Hey, Cult Podcast listeners, this is Future Armando. And Future Andrea. And we're here to tell you that Cult Podcast is officially sponsored. That's right. We are brought to you in part by Open Skies Trading Company. Open Skies Trading Company is the place to get all of your outdoor gear and apparel. They have a lot of uh, like t-shirts, stickers, posters, that classic Americana tourism uh, style posters. They're really cool and... The guy whose company it is is actually Andrea's friend. He's super cool and a military veteran, so support him. Yeah, and you're when you support him, you're not just supporting military veterans and him. You're also supporting the National Parks Foundation because every purchase that you give to Open Skies Training Company, they will donate $1 to the National Parks Foundation, which uh, helps to keep our parks clean and nice and safe and good. And less on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you live in California. Um, they are also the people that print our posters. That's right. They're our printer for the Omshin Rikio posters, a limited run of 50 screen printed posters that are available online at our store at cultpodcastshow.com slash store. Or you can just go to our website, cultpodcastshow.com. Uh, go ahead and go grab those. Buy them. Buy them. Do it. Buy them. Buy them. Uh, they're wow, that was actually cool sounding. <laughs> they're fifteen dollars plus shipping. Uh, if you order before December fifth, which I think is Wednesday, you'll get them in time for Christmas, and you can give the weirdest Christmas present or freak out every one of your relatives that comes to visit you. Hopefully. You don't have any. I don't know. I That's not true. I hope you have a thousand relatives, and I hope they all need an Om Shinrikyo poster. Uh, <laughs> so, bah, 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 bah. I think I'm going to get one for my mom. Oh, you should. Uh, they're $15 plus shipping. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Of course. Um... Yeah, so we have our posters online. You can also buy stuff from Open Skies Trading Company at openskiestrading.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at openskiestradingco. That's openskiestrading and then the letters C-O. And you can follow them on Facebook. That's not how that works. You can like them on Facebook, uh, Open Skies Trading Co. on there as well. Yeah, so thank you, everybody, for listening, and I hope you're ready for Manson Part 4. Hello! Hello! Oh, oh, oh! Spiders. <laughs> Spiders. Don't drink the For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta! Yay! And it is Manson Week 4! Yeah! 
Uh, I did, I will let you know, have many Manson quotes in this episode that I have now removed and I'm paraphrasing because that outline would have been 14 pages long. And hella racist. (laughs) Hella racist. (laughs) I was not comfortable saying all those words. Armando volunteered. Still not that comfortable. (laughs) I don't, okay, here's the thing. (laughs) You make it sound like I was chomping at the bit to just be like, hey, give me that racism, that sweet, sweet... Welcome to Cole Podcast. I'm our <laughs> problematic Armando. <laughs> um, so I will be paraphrasing, but if you do want to read more of his ramblings and very explicit descriptions of his sexual life, uh, pick mm. up Manson in his own words. Do you think that, because I read a couple of them after we did the, mm. the episode, um, do you think the stuff that he says about his sex life, especially the stuff that he says about like straight sex, yeah. do you think it's true or do you think he's I trumping it up? No, I think it's true. Yeah. <laughs> especially after reading that book, yeah. I think it's true. Some of the things he says are like, it's wild, but also like, I kind of believe you, dude. I, I believe it. Uh, I want to call him good at sex because it seems like he does he he doesn't leave anybody hanging Mm -hmm. let's put it that way but i also feel like he's doing it for the wrong reasons like i know that sounds crazy but it's like this is the worst bachelor episode ever (laughs) i just for the wrong reasons like manson i want you to get out there and i want you to fuck with your heart just follow your dreams. Yeah, I feel like he has this weird idea that, like, when you sex, you've got to sex to the max. And that's what he does. Yeah, bro. Like, I like Manson. Like, he's a fine bro or whatever. But, like, I just feel like he's here for the wrong reasons. Like, he doesn't love speaking <laughs> like I do. I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> I just want to see a Bachelor episode with the talking head of him. Oh I think God. the main problem I have here is that Monica is a huge bitch, oh right? The, but the Manson family is Get a dating show. <laughs> like, oh, my please, God. We please shoot the sketch. Oh, my God. It's a dating show. And it it's next. next. It's, oh, my God. It's the Manson family next. Oh, God. Hey, what's up? I'm Squeaky. I'm 22. I like to party and murder actresses. What's up? <laughs> what up? My name is Susan. I used to be a topless dancer, and I'm allergic to bananas. <laughs> what's up? My name's Charles Manson. I'm here for the wrong reasons. <laughs> oh. Hi, I'm Ruth Ann Morehouse. I am just a child, but fuck my parents, and I will fuck Charles Manson. <laughs> Except for Dad. He's also in the van. <laughs> Oh, this got weird. Next. Oh. Next. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I hate to do this to you, Patty. You know that I do think you're beautiful inside, but next. <laughs> your eyes are blue like the ocean, and that wispy peach fuzz mustache you got is brown like like grain. Or, so I don't get, get on over Amber here. waves of grain? Yeah. We- <laughs> Someone make this happen for me, please. Oh, my God. Yeah. Someone make next profiles of just all of the Manson girls. We could do that. Hey, hey, yo, A&E, we coming for you. <laughs> Put our show on the airwaves. I'm just a simple gator lawyer, but I'm happy to represent you in all your entertainment ventures. The Manson Family, tonight at 8, after a brand new episode of Gator Justice. <laughs> gator Justice. Oh, my God. And Bear Cops. Why? Viacom. Oh, uh, Get at us. Come on. You know who we are. We're knocking it out of the park. We're having straight hits after hits after After hits. After plot problematic episodes. (laughs) But mainly hits. Mainly hits. You know what? If those women had the same amount of self-respect that all the women in Next had, it wouldn't have been a cult. Like, you know what I mean? 
Every I, I person don't want to, like, they are sort of victims, but also you're right. Yeah, yeah like, if uh, they were just like, oh, he's a piece of shit. I'm worth something. Also, Get- that van is disgusting. Yeah, like, they would have just, this cult wouldn't have happened. So they're like, I have to murder because he's great. <laughs> and then it's like, I just imagine Charles Manson next three women. And then off the bus, you hear it coming, just... And then the Dune Buggy gets off Dune the Buggy! <laughs> it's just Marvin Gaye starts playing, and Charles Manson is just like, I've it's, been waiting for you my whole life. It's love at first sight. This is the Dune Buggy episode, by the way. Yeah! Just to catch you up on what's happened so far. So, Manson was raised by a single mother and the prison system. Uh, following a lifetime of incarceration, he was released into a time and place he didn't understand, but could definitely exploit. Uh, he gathered followers as a sort of guru, all to move down to Los Angeles to record his album. After one failed attempt, he found him and his followers adrift in a sea of parties and drugs. For fun, I guess. Like, I mean, yeah, you don't do that for any other <laughs> Yeah, where he met Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. Dennis and his friend and record producer Terry Melcher would attempt to help Charlie record his album again. Again, it was unsuccessful. The family had overstayed their welcome and Dennis's bank account. Now out of money, out of connections, and out of ideas, the family spread out in search of a place to call a more permanent home. This is where we pick up this week. Hell yeah, bro. I would also like to remind you guys, what I just described basically took place over two years. Yeah, which is insane, wow. right? Yeah, crazy. That was nuts. So, uh, in this episode, we'll be pulling... Yeah, there was a lot of nuts. <laughs> there were so many nuts. So many nuts, uh, but also, like, a fair amount of seafood, if you get what I'm mm. putting down. Mm. Uh, clam chowder. Clam chowder. Uh, in this episode, we'll be pulling from a few different sources, obviously Helter Skelter, which we've mentioned in the past, as well as Manson in his own words, to kind of balance it out. Uh, Life and Times of Charles Manson has been one of our main sources. We're still using it. Uh, but also, we're going to be pulling from the website for the El Coyote restaurant in Los Angeles, California, established in 1931. What? It's called it Los Angeles, and I love you. Los Angeles. Also, com. That's a website devoted specifically to the Tate-LaBianca murders, named after the street that Sharon Tate's house was on. Um, The problem with a lot of sites like that, and a lot of the sites devoted to these murders today, is that they're often based on Bugliosi's account, because it's the more sensational version and the more widely publicized version. So we'll touch on a few key points from their version. Uh, To some degree, there's an accepted timeline for the events, um, but we will also be covering kind of what Manson has claimed, as well as what former members have alleged as well. So previously, Charlie had sent a pregnant slash new mother, because she has the baby during this period, Susan Atkins. Um, of the Atkins diet? Of, of the Atkins diet. <laughs> did um, we already make that joke? We did on the last okay. episode. Um, did she eat that baby? No, no. That baby. That's on the diet. I think. That, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was also known as Sexy Sadie, oddly enough, a nickname they gave her before the song came out. So before the White Album came out, her nickname was Sexy Sadie, and then there was a Sexy Sadie song on the White Album. It became one of many things. They were like, they're speaking to us. It's a sign. It's a sign. Uh, A.K.A. Sadie Mae Glutz. Uh, Part of the reason that they have new names, I'll go over it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It comes in a little bit later. They eventually, they basically, Charlie gave them new names so they could steal people's identities. Oh. We'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, So he had sent her to Northern California to find a new home for the family, a trip that was by and large unsuccessful, uh, but the need for a family home was still there. So Charlie had sent Bobby Boussoulet to check up on her and the family up north. And on his way, Bobby Boussoulet picked up Leslie Van Houten in Monrovia, Monrovia, 
just a stone's throw away from us right now. Yeah. Uh, that's where we're going to pick up. So but stone's definitely a crack rock, though. Uh, yeah, depending on where in Monrovia you are. <laughs> also, I know, what Bobby Boussoulet? Bobby Boussoulet. I know that it's not, but every time you say it, I'm picturing Bobby Boucher. Me from, too. From Bobby Hawaii. Boucher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go do this. I just want to play the foosball. He showed me a hunting knife, and I like that, too. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's time that we talk a little bit more about uh, Waterboy Bobby Boussoulet, uh and his longtime friend Gary Hinman. As we mentioned, Bobby and Gary had been hippie movement mainstays in Los Angeles and San Francisco for some time, having worked with Kenneth Anger on Lucifer Rising, and they dealt drugs at the Spiral Staircase, which is where they met the family. Cool, cool, cool. That's really kind of what they were good at. Hinman was your typical nice guy drug dealer. He dealed. <laughs> I just, I just like that you said that's what they were good at. That is what they were good at. They didn't, they didn't hold down normal jobs. They I dealt drugs. At being a drug dealer. <laughs> so they dealed and made pretty much any drug you could want, including occasionally dealing Owsley's acid. Hinman was, according to everybody who knew him, generally a nice dude. Bobby, on the other hand, was in some ways like Charlie. He was a small-time thief and a criminal. Mm. He wasn't dangerous the, the way Charlie was, but he had no problems being on the wrong side of the law. Bobby had readily joined the family. He was super down with the constant available sex and drugs, and he didn't mind occasionally getting his hands dirty for Charlie. So he bounced back and forth between an apartment he shared with a girl and the spawn ranch as needed. We'll get more into the spawn ranch in a second. This is the first time where somebody who said, getting my hands dirty for Charlie, that, yeah. like, that, that, I don't want to know what he means. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's a lot of digging condoms out of bitches, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just kidding, he didn't use condoms. There's no, that's why there's oh, so many God. babies. Uh, Gary Hinman, on the other hand, uh, didn't really want to join the family, at least not completely. He mm. was totally fine to hang out with them, um, but he maintained his own apartment. He would party with them. And would supply them with drugs, but he didn't dive in the way Bobby did. He didn't want to be like a disciple of Charlie's. Um, the rest of the family at this point was bouncing back and forth between three different locations. They rented a smallish house in Canoga Park um, in 1969, and they called it the Yellow Submarine because it was painted yellow, named after, again, a Beatles song. Um, the address for that house is 21019 Gresham Street in Canoga Park. Like The Shining. Like The Shining. Uh, it's since been torn down and apartments were built on the site in the 80s and 90s. Oh. So you can't go visit it anymore, but there are pictures of it online. If you type in that address, it will come up with pictures of the house. It's a house that looks like every other house in our neighborhood. Okay. Like if you drove through our neighborhood, you could find a million houses that look exactly like that house. It's your traditional california bungalow with a little bit of a craftsman front okay so they largely used this house for rehearsing and dennis wilson actually came to visit with another record producer according to manson in his own words the ups began with dennis's return he and jacobson immediately came over and paid us a visit after hearing us play they were enthused about the new music and how far we'd progressed one of the songs they liked best was look at your game girl <gasps> Look at your game, girl. What a mad delusion. Living in that confusion. Frustration and doubt. Can you ever live without? Uh, I just like how you said, uh, I like how your music has improved. Because I, I just imagine somebody in a suit being like, wow, you actually know how to play guitar like, now. You learned the words. That's great. <laughs> Uh, but the yellow sub was often considered too high profile for their drug activities. Um, but a few miles away from the yellow submarine was Spawn Ranch, which, which soon became the family's main base of operations. 
Spawn Ranch is an abandoned movie ranch. So movie ranches are a thing that exists pretty much only in Los Angeles. This is mm-hmm. kind of a unique thing that we have. Um, movie ranches and buildings like that are buildings built specifically to look out of time mm-hmm. so that you can film at them whenever you want and dress them up to look like a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, here in Southern California, we only really have three different types of ranches. We have uh, we have movie ranches, we got uh, winery ranches, and we got ranch cool Dragon ranches. Valley? Okay. Cool. God damn it, we got cool ranches. <laughs> cool ranch. So the ranch took its name from dairy farmer George Spawn, who purchased the property in 1948 from silent film actor William S. Hart, um, who had owned the ranch prior. Uh, tons of Western-themed movies and television shows were filmed on the ranch, including Duel in the Sun, Bonanza, The Lone Ranger, and Zorro. It was also the filming location for the B-movie The Creeping Terror. Uh, this is something they used to do a lot, and in, they still do today. A movie ranch literally just burned down two weeks ago. Yeah, so... In the fires? Yes. Okay. They're rebuilding it, because I looked it up today. So the cool thing about California is that we have a pretty diverse landscape and pretty standard climate, which is a little unusual. So that you you can kind of make California look like anywhere, mm-hmm. which people use to great effect. So the Paramount Ranch recently burned down. Uh, that ranch was the home to MASH, AMC's Preacher, and more. This was not far from the Spawn Ranch. Yo, they filmed Preacher there? The church where they filmed Preacher is still standing. Oh, so that's shit. one of the few things that didn't burn down. Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. I yeah. thought it was filmed in Texas. No. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. The HBO series True Blood was filmed almost entirely in Malibu, although set in Louisiana. Yeah. They made... Oh, my God. We went on a vampire... Real quick. We went on a vampire tour, and we left after two stops, because somehow this woman made vampires boring. Oh, boo. I don't know how you take the most interesting monster and make them shitty, but the one thing that she said like three times is about how True Bloods was actually filmed in California and how these stupid Californians think that we could make it look like Louisiana. It's like, no, we knew we couldn't. It just doesn't matter. Here, Well, here's the thing. I, I religiously watched True Blood, did not know it was filmed a stone's throw from where we live until the stars came into my store to shop during shooting season. That's crazy. <laughs> that was the only way I found out that they were filming here and not in Louisiana. I had only seen part of one episode and I couldn't tell. I didn't know that it was supposed to be in Louisiana because it definitely, it doesn't look like Louisiana. Essentially, that's what the Spawn Ranch was. Mm-hmm. It was a ranch built to look like a true Old West ranch that you could kind of change, you know, facades around, change buildings around, and all of a sudden it looked like a different ranch. So they could just film stuff there all the time. So they're like, they're living there? They're living there. They The last thing to film there was in like 1964. Okay, so at this point, it's, it's like just five an years later. Ranch. It's an abandoned ranch. Okay. Um, which... It's really funny in L.A. Sometimes movie buildings get abandoned and they just become other stuff. Like I used to live in the Culver in Culver City right next to the Sony lot. And there was an abandoned fake church that was then just like a store. And then they had just built one whole side of the studio to look like a fake courthouse. And it freaked me the fuck out when I first moved where I was like, maybe I'll try going to that church. And then I was like, oh, this is not there's no actual building here. Like, it was just real freaky. I bet when you walked in there and saw the part of the courthouse, you thought you broke the universe. Yeah, well, they're right across the street from each other, but so it looks like the front of a courthouse, but there's no entrance. Yeah. So you're driving past, and you're like, is this City Hall? <laughs> and then there's just trailers, and you're just like, what? 
But so that's basically what the if ranch If I saw was. that, I would be so sure that I was in the Truman Show. Like, oh, it, 100%. for real. It was so strange. Um, First thought, I'm in the Truman Show. Second thought, oh my God, how many times did I masturbate? Oh, God. <laughs> how did they stop Jim Carrey from doing that? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so the bulk of the ranch was made up of a series of what looked like cabins or houses, but because they were just used for filming, they weren't fully finished on the inside. So they're basically just shacks that looked like houses. <laughs> so you would like, you're like, oh, what a house. And then you'd like open it. It was just like an empty shack. I get it. Like most yeah. homes in Southern California. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, the third place that the family had taken up residence was the Barker Ranch compound in Death Valley National Park. Um, they occasionally would also use the Meyer Ranch next door. Um, they'd heard about these ranches from Meyer's granddaughter, who was, of course, right in Charlie's wheelhouse, but was only a casual family member. But she was just like, my grandma's got a ranch. Y'all could stay there. God, I wish I could be a casual family member to all <laughs> That would be the best. So knowing that the family was short on money and that his album wasn't coming out and that something would need to change soon, Charlie went back to what he knew, crime. The more you say this, everything that he's doing of just like, yeah, because his album's never coming out. I'm just imagining this could happen in present day with a SoundCloud rapper. Oh my God, it'd be hilarious. Uh, I'm trying to rap about my bitches, but I don't want to do it into a microphone because they look like a dick. <laughs> I could see that. I could totally I see that. I get it. I get it. Um, Charlie started hanging out with motorcycle oh, gangs. Oh, look at your chain girl. Come on. <laughs> oh, look at your chain girl. Oh my God, we need to like record this and remix it. Yes, I'm on it. Uh, so Charlie started hanging out with the motorcycle gangs. What? Mm-hmm. Um, he started stealing credit cards, taking trips up and down the coast the way he used to do, in large part because while Charlie wanted control over people, he didn't want to be responsible for them. So, like, all of this, like, hey, we need food, was bumming him out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he wanted all the perks of being a cult leader, but none of the work. Also, those, you said the coolest shit and then the lamest shit. He yeah. started running with motorcycle gangs. Running with motorcycle gangs. And stealing credit cards. And they most a lot of them were like offshoots of the Hells Angels. Like uh, one of them was the... Um, the Kells Angels? No. <laughs> it's What's just up? Like an we love the 1990s hit show Nickelodeon's Kenan and Kel. <laughs> but only half of them. They just have orange soda <laughs> on their motorcycles. Are they an offshoot because they're more violent than the regular Hells Angels? They were a little bit more into drugs. They're called the Straight Satans. Oh, okay. Was, was the one that he ran with the most. Straight Man. Satans. Not the gay Satans. That's Charlie's group. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the straight Satans. Um, so a side note about credit cards at this point, because every time I would like read and come across like Charlie was stealing credit cards, I was like, that sounds like a fairly modern crime. Uh, but the reason they were stealing so many credit cards is because they were easy to steal because credit cards were new. Like, yeah, at this point, they're just like a like a number, and you just call yeah, in, right? Uh, well, so es- essentially, they did have cards, but there was no way to identify. Like, there was no, like, you know, security credit cards as we know them today were less than 10 years old at that point. Okay. So, so it was essentially a routing number yes, that's to it. a bank account. Oh, yeah, okay. Instead of writing a check where you have a routing number, it's just like, this is the routing number to the money. Right, okay. so if you have a number, you have all the money at your disposal. Um, the first 
quote-unquote courtesy cards were issued in 1920 by department stores, but you could only use them at that department store. Um, but as far as widely accepted charge cards, like a visa that you could use everywhere, Diners Club was the first one to issue a card, and that was in 1955. It wasn't until 1958 that other companies joined, and even then it was still new. So now in 1969, credit cards are less than 10 years old as we know them, and there's no security um, they're completely unregulated unre- and secure. And this, they could make their own. There was no way to verify if a number was right. Yeah. I yeah. know this is... Um, <clears throat> I know they, they, don't, they don't need the plug. And as far as the show goes, I'm actually not a huge fan. But Adam Ruins Everything had a great episode oh, on yeah. credit cards and security mm-hmm. where they kind of like explain where they came from and shit. And uh, yeah, you should definitely... If you haven't seen it, just look that part up on YouTube. It's really yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you want to see what Spawn Ranch looks like today, there are multiple YouTube tours. If you just type Spawn Ranch into YouTube, there's a guy that will be like, here's one of the Manson cars that they left, and he'll just, like, take you through the whole ranch. It's pretty great. <laughs> I watched, like, four. <laughs> I was just like, fascinating. Yeah, abandoned cars like crazy. Yeah, yeah, that comes up in a bit. That's part of why they get caught. <laughs> ah, this one's out of gas. Let's just go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... This is also why the family got new names. So they, they could steal credit cards and have their different names on them. So okay. like Sadie Make Lutz was one of them. Um, Such a funny name. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because Charlie made up the names. Like you can't expect Charlie Manson to come up with normal sounding fake names. Yeah, your name is Sadie Big Nuts. Did you say Sadie <laughs> McLutz? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be Ryan Pancakes. Oh, fucking okay, I guess. Um, Charlie loved the idea of moving the family to the desert permanently because with him being back in the criminal underbelly and with the amount of drugs, sex, and partying that was constantly happening, the further off the grid they were, the better. Um, a famous quote from Charlie about this period, about why he didn't want to just, like, work to help support the family, he said... I don't want to take my time going to work. I got a motorcycle and a sleeping bag and 10 or 15 girls. What the hell I want to go off and go to work for? Work for what? Money? I got all the money in the world. I'm the king, man. I run the underworld, guy. I decide who goes and what and where they do it at. What am I going to do? Run around and act like I'm some teeny bopper somewhere for somebody else's money? I make the money, man. I roll the nickels. The game is mine. I deal the cards. (laughs) By the way, so many explanation points. (laughs) Just like... Yeah. My favorite part is that I'm uh, that anyone could be afraid of a person who uses the term guy. Guy. I feel like I'm I, Charles Manson guy. Guy. I feel like I want to say I roll the nickels all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? It's like don't be mean to me. I roll the nickels. I roll the nickels. The game is mine. I spin the dimes. I deal the cards. I twirl the pennies. <laughs> I throw the batons. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Um, while the family spent most days at the ranches getting stoned out of their minds and dropping LSD and listening to the White Album, they'd literally painted the walls of Spawn Ranch with lyrics everywhere. This sounds dope as fuck. Yeah. Back on board. But they all longed for the flashy days of the spiral staircase and their fancy lives in and among the Hollywood elite. They weren't super stoked about Charlie's plan to make the desert permanent. And Charlie had to nip this in the bud and fast, which is how Helter Skelter began. So... There is a, I'm going to say, three to five minute long speech 
that I cut out because neither of our voices would withstand it. Yeah. But essentially, Charlie tells them that a race war is coming and they have to move to an underground city in the middle of the desert so that they can await the race war, wait for it to blow over, and then come back out of the race war and then show everyone how to run everything because clearly they're who we should be taking advice from. Yeah. Yeah. They basically expected the African-Americans to overthrow the white man and then to come to them for advice on how to run like run everything. That's dumb. It's real dumb. It's real dumb. But he kept just like, the desert's got everything we need. There's water underground. More water than you can imagine. It's just... You ever seen a cactus? Cactus got so much goddamn water in it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah. It's... He tells them that they can make... Once my album comes out, we'll make a whole town. <laughs> Um, but in the meantime, they needed to prepare for life in the desert. So Charlie's life of crime took on a very specific target. He worked with a motorcycle gang stealing Volkswagen bugs. They would then take these bugs to the desert where they would convert them to dune Dune buggies. Oh, hell yeah, dude. So, uh, Charlie was back to stealing cars as he had as a teen. And to be honest, he was happier than he'd ever been. <laughs> he talks in Manson in his own words. He's like, this time was great. Everything was going great. We had the dune buggies. We had the girls. We had the acid. It's beautiful. We had the dune buggies. We had the girls. We had we the, the dune, dune buggies. buggies. We got the acid. We got <laughs> we the, the dune, dune buggies. buggies. We got the dunes. Um, he was singing. He believed his album would soon be released. But more importantly, and he mentions it so many times, he had the dune buggies. Ah, oh, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> And then, I don't know why I did that in Manson. <laughs> I think I'm turning into Manson. Then it all fell apart. The police showed up at the ranch after parents complained that their underage teens were engaging in drugs and underage drinking at an illegal nightclub on the ranch because Charlie was running an illegal nightclub on the ranch. Oh, <laughs> or okay. so he says in Manson in his own words. He basically is like, I had a little nightclub operation going. I was you know, playing in the band, writing all the music, and it was just like he was throwing parties at the ranch and teens yeah. would come out there and get crunked out on drugs. <laughs> I've never heard crunked out before, and I love it. Now, now you have. Um, it was too much scrutiny for Charlie. He couldn't have them finding out about the dune buggies, <laughs> which is <laughs> real, real concern. He's like, we can't have them find out about the dune buggies. Charlie, dune buggies aren't illegal. You shut your mouth. Well, they were stealing cars. Like, they were oh, stealing right, Volkswagens because right, right, they were right. easy to lift. I forgot about and that. And then they would put big tires and shit on them. So mm. they're stolen dune buggies. It's like, we can't have them find out. Uh, it's time to prep faster. The record wasn't moving forward. Melcher, in a last-ditch effort, came out to the ranch to record video cassettes, And this is where we get Look at Your Game Girl. That's the recording we have of it is from mm. these video cassettes. But it was around this time that the true spiral started. A biker who had become fond of the family named Indian Joe. I do not know if he was Native American or just an offensively named white man. Okay. Could be either one. There's uh, a really funny remodern telling of uh huckleberry finn that mm-hmm. was on netflix where there's a character called uh injun joe right but they uh they make it very clear that injun joe is a white man <laughs> and in the movie they go injun joe why do you call yourself injun joe and he goes i don't i call myself joe and i just have a <laughs> deep appreciation for the native american culture <laughs> But whatever. <laughs> so I, I always thought that was really funny. Oh, man. Um, anyways, this biker who potentially just had a deep appreciation for the Native American culture. Yeah. Uh, 
was pretty fond of the family. He I'm going to say it's probably not that. No, it's probably not that. Uh, he began hanging around the ranch and had found some talachi or belladonna root. Okay. That is from cactus? No, no you're thinking of peyote, which we'll get uh, into later. Yeah, yeah I hope we do. It's a flower. Um, but, <laughs> hey, welcome to Manson's Snacks. It's peyote. It's peyote. Uh pretty poisonous if ingested oh this is actually something that used to kill wagon train travelers because they would be like we can probably cook it and if you're not careful it'll just straight up kill you it can in low doses it can just put you to sleep and then people will use it to like help them fall asleep okay Mm -hmm. why did this guy like it well so in indian joe Mm -hmm. um and again that's what he's chosen to be called whatever uh Joe is making a tea with it because it also has very strong hallucinogenic properties. But that's in small doses. So if you tried to just like eat some of it, it could kill you or worse, ruin your mind forever, which is basically what happens. Joe was boiling the root in the kitchen to make tea and he stepped away from the pot for just a second. Tex Watson, walking through the kitchen, saw what he thought to be a potato boiling on the stove. He took it out, took a large bite of it, and before the effect truly hit him, he caught a ride into town. Charlie waved goodbye to him as he left, and Charlie says that this is the last time until the trial that he saw Tex in what he would consider to be a sound state of mind. It's interesting to note Tex is also the only one that tried an insanity defense at trial. For reasons that will become clear in a second. Yeah. Because he's the only one that Charles Manson is like, dude, calm down. Yeah, calm the fuck down. You're a little much, man. Intense. Uh, they found Tex two weeks later crawling along a sidewalk in Van Nuys. Which, by the way, Canoga Park to Van Nuys, on the freeway today with modern freeways, 20-minute mm-hmm. drive. Are we assuming he walked there? We don't know how he got there. That's okay. All right. It's 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 a distance. Yeah. Yeah. He may have gotten a ride there. We don't 100% know. Um, but he was crawling along the sidewalk, nonverbal, except for saying beep, beep, beep. <laughs> oh, no. He was never That's quite the same again. Terrifying. <laughs> um, That's always my fear about hallucinogens. Yeah. That it will take a piece of your mind. Yes, that's my fear. Like, I, I mean, did mushrooms, and, like, I do feel very different afterward, mm-hmm. and it's kind of freaks me out sometimes. Yeah. Um, during the same drug trip, allegedly, he supposedly crashed a motorcycle into a car and fell asleep in that same car, had been found by police, booked for narcotics, and then gotten out and then was found. <laughs> like, he, it was a whole, like... Weekend at Bernie's, except he's Bernie, but also the guy's taking Bernie out. There's <laughs> <laughs> a whole bunch. Um, oh, he was guy. he was not in good sorts. And when he got back to the ranch, Charlie had tasked the girls to look after him. But of course, they're all high on LSD. They're not really policing him. So Tex planned to have his girlfriend's car converted into a dune buggy. And even though Charlie had told him, probably don't leave the ranch, you're not right. He went anyway. Um, he took it to a shop in Los Angeles. And the conversion was going to cost about $500. Um, so to pay for it, he decided to get marijuana from a local drug dealer, Bernard Lotsapapa Crow, <laughs> and sell it to cover the cost. Okay. All right. Solid plan. Yeah. Lotsapapa was a... Seems b- like you already have a car. Seems like just drive the car. Yeah. But okay. Uh, Lotsapapa was a big, <clears throat> tall, black guy. Not a small dude, imposing. People were scared of him for a reason, because he could kind of back his shit up. 
Um, the tab for the weed was about $2,400 and it would have sold for a considerable amount more. But Tex just took the weed and never paid Lots of Papa back. And only a few days later, the dealer showed up at one of the houses that Tex frequently stayed at with his girlfriend at the time, demanding the money. Or he would kill the girl. In a panic, the girl called the ranch looking for Tex, where she made one fatal mistake. Tex's full name was Charles Watkins. He went oh. by Tex because he was from Texas and wanted to avoid any confusion amongst the family. So she was looking, she was like, where's Charles? The girl called the ranch and asked to speak to Charlie. They gave Charles Manson the phone. Not great at conflict de-escalation. Um, Charlie heard what was going on and headed over to confront Lots of Papa. When he realized, when Crow realized he wasn't getting his money, he moved to attack Charlie, and Charlie pulled a gun on him. He tried to fire multiple times, but the gun jammed. Finally, it fired, hitting Crow, but not killing him. But Charlie didn't stick around to find out that Crow survived. So Charlie and his girls fled back to the ranch. Crow went to a doctor, like an underground mob crime doctor, and was stitched up, survived the shooting. But as far as Charlie knew, he was dead, and the race war had begun. <laughs> because Charlie was convinced that he was a member of the Black Panthers. I shot a guy in the knee, and he's dead now. <laughs> That's I shot, video I game shot a back Black Panther. It's Helter Skelter. Uh, panicked, believing he'd killed a Black Panther, Charlie went to Dennis Wilson and Terry Melcher for money, believing that it would help them prep for the desert faster so they could escape and they wouldn't be tracked down. They both rebuffed him. Melcher informed him that, quote, we're not sure that we want to move forward with your album. There have been some concerns. <laughs> Basically the nice like producer way of being like, yeah, no, not going to yeah. happen. Charlie threatened both of them and they took it pretty seriously. So they weren't going to give him any money. They weren't going to release the album. Meanwhile, Charlie's biker friends were getting antsy. Manson had sold them a batch of mescaline made by Hinman. So mescaline is a hallucinogen derived from peyote, uh, and it is white trash as hell. <laughs> yeah, I've only ever heard of mescaline, but I've never heard, like... I don't know anyone who's taken it. The It factors very heavily into the Eileen Warnos narrative. Yeah. There's a lot of mescaline in that one. There's yeah. also... Isn't that what uh, the dude in the... The Johnny Depp dude, the de Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, wasn't he on mescaline? I think yeah. he took mescaline, yeah. And then there's also... This Hunter uh, S. Thompson. Yeah. Yes, Hunter S. Thompson. But then there's another famous writer who wrote Brave New World. Adelis Huxley. Adela, uh, that guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he also wrote an entire book called... Uh, the the It's something about Doors of Perception, I believe. But he it, the whole book is just about him taking mescaline and then talking about it. And, and it is a powerful hallucinogen. Um, and you basically, like all the best kind of drugs, make it like in a tub, essentially. Okay. Um, so the batch was bad. It made a lot of the bikers really sick. Oh, no. And they wanted their money back, but they'd already thrown the drugs away. So Hinman wasn't going to give them a refund. He basically was like, bring the drugs back. I'll check them out. Um, Look, man, if you don't got a receipt, I can't. I can't really do anything to help you. You can call our customer service line, but I, d I don't really think... Um, Last person who called customer service got shot in the knee, so I don't... <laughs> maybe no. Uh, Charlie considered this a chance to kill two birds with one stone to get money from Hinman while also settling a debt. So he would settle up with the bikers, but also get extra money from Hinman to cover some of their other costs. So Charlie, Susan, and Mary Brunner... Remember Mary? Mm -hmm. His first one? 
She was a librarian at one point. She's still here? She's still here. Girl, go home to your books. I know. Um, And Bobby Boussoulet paid... There's two things that I love. The Dewey Decimal System and Charles Manson. (laughs) Bobby Boussoulet, Charlie, Susan, and Mary Brunner paid him in a visit. And Charlie brought his brand new toy. It was a piece of wood attached to a long scrap of metal that one of his biker friends had sharpened for him. His sword. Call it a Barbie doll. (laughs) Because Charlie, as we remember, obsessed with swords. Yeah, we fucking like, love swords. He's always a weird so sword guy. Weird. Always a weird, <laughs> weird sword guy. They tied up Gary Hinman and began interrogating him as a show of how serious he was. Manson started swinging the sword near Hinman's head, near Hinman's <gasps> head, accidentally slicing off his ear and cutting his face. Oh my god! I just imagine him being like, "You don't think I'm serious?" <laughs> yeah. This freaked Charlie out, and, <laughs> and, and he split. So Charlie was like, ha, 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 you guys handle this one, and then was just gone. You know how, like, when you're roughhousing with your, uh, this isn't applicable maybe to you guys, but you know how, like, when you're roughhousing with your cousins, and then, like, uh, you accidentally hurt one of them because you're so much bigger than them? We did that then, all the time, and yes. Yeah, yeah and then mm-hmm. you're just, like, it's, like, all fun, and then they, like, scrape their knee, and you're just like, oh, shit, I'm out. Your boy's I'm gone. I'm so sorry. I'm eight years old, but I gotta change my name and get the fuck out of this city, because my <laughs> aunt is gonna yell at me. Yep. <laughs> so, ears grow back, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well... Mary, I heard that. Mary, <laughs> Mary Brunner attempted to sew the ear back on with dental floss. Oh, God, no! Three days later, the girls arrived back at the ranch. When Charlie asked what happened, they said he wouldn't stop screaming, so Bobby killed him. Oh, oh shit. Oh, my God. Bobby was nowhere to be found. Oh, you my think, God. Do you think he killed him because he was so ornery? Because he got all them teeth and no... T- I'm sorry. It's Bobby Boucher. It's another oh, water shit. boy show. Hey, God, no, I've been doula obligata. I shot him in his up to Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. I made a sad. Oh, so sad. Um, Bobby was later found in Hinman's Fiat... Uh, miles up the coast between San Luis Obispo and Atascadero where Jake and I are getting married uh, they found the murder weapon in the tire well okay um, why did he keep it uh, why did he drive away in the car of the guy that he killed why did he choose a Fiat why did he follow Charles Manson uh, why didn't he just play foosball when Ch- <laughs> I'm so sorry I love foosball this bit is only for me. I Foodball the devil. <laughs> when Charlie understandably freaked the fuck out, because now they were responsible for, in his mind, two murders, uh, the girls tried to pacify him by telling him, no, no, it was okay. They'd written political piggy on the walls to tie the crime in with the other murder of Lots of Papa Crow. So they basically were like, no, 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 it's okay. Helter Skelter started. It's, go with it. It's the race war. We're killing people. They uh, And psychotic episode had overtaken everybody where they're basically like believing all of his bullshit that he told them on LSD. And they're like, we did it. We fixed it. Yay. And Charlie was like, oh, shit. How old Charlie going to get out of this one? This is a horrible Scooby-Doo episode. (laughs) Or what is it? Dennis the Menace? Old man Smithers. (laughs) 
You've been haunting this gift shop the whole time? Look, I know this situation is bad, but I think I got something that's going to get me out of it. Next! <laughs> Charlie found Tex. Have we ever tried it? <laughs> yeah. Charlie found Tex on the ranch, literally just spacing out, uh, because Tex was absent from this plane of reality. Because he ate the funky potato. His <laughs> brain got all mashed. Um, <laughs> funky potato needs to be the episode title. His brain got all mashed from the funky potatoes. <laughs> so uh, Charlie told Tex that Tex owed him in exchange for Bobby. Essentially, Charlie was like, that life I took from Lots of Papa Crow was a life that should have been yours. And now Bobby has been imprisoned, cleaning up your mess. So now it's your turn to take a life to save Bobby. Was he cooking? Like, do you think he understood? No, especially because he, Charles at this point is like, Bobby's your brother. You need to help your brother. And that'll come into play in a bit. Okay. So, no. I mean, I think he's still whacked out on drugs. Did he still make the decision to do these things? Yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that. I just... All right. Sorry. He's I, still criminally culpable, but yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not in the right mind at all. They weren't sure where to go, so they drove to the general area of where Terry Melcher lived on Cielo Drive, which brings us to August 8th, 1969. Sharon Taint, J.C. Bring, I cannot say that name. I'm so sorry. Uh, Wojciech Frykowski and Abigail Folger, the heir to the Folger's coffee millions, yeah. basically, went for dinner at El Coyote, a Mexican restaurant on Beverly Boulevard. It is still there. Um, the kind of crazy thing about El Coyote is it has kind of a bad rap for being like tourist Mexican food. Okay. Um, if you go and ask for the meal that Sharon Tate ate that night... <clears throat> They just give you the most expensive thing on the menu, which, depending on if it's in season, are the ostrich tacos uh-huh. or the shrimp fajitas. Any guesses as to how much the shrimp fajitas are? Thirty two forty nine. It's in Mid City on Beverly Hill on Beverly Boulevard. We'll play Price Is Right rules. Forty five dollars. Forty five thirty two. Yeah. Fourteen ninety five. What? Oh, that's not bad. At we all. should go. Yeah, that's not bad <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, you say ostrich tacos? Ostrich tacos depends on market value. Okay, first of all, but for sh- shrimp They're fajitas is fourteen ninety five. Straight up, those are just chicken tacos, and they're lying. Probably. Yeah. Um. Famed Los Angeles food critic, uh, rest in cheese, Jonathan Gold, mm. um, he frequently ate there. He was like a an El Coyote apologist, okay. where he was like, I don't give a shit if this is tourist food. It's damn good tourist food, so maybe we should go. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. So uh, after which the four returned back to the Cielo Drive house. Uh, Sharon Tate was eight months pregnant with Roman Polanski's child at this time. He was away filming. Yeah, he got her pregnant with his pianist. <laughs> Roman, see the joke there? Roman Polanski. Made the movie The Pianist, yeah. And he got her pregnant with his pianist. Um, with his, because pe- it sounds like penis. So. I watched The Pianist. It's a horribly sad movie. Very sad. The whole time I was like, it sounds like penis. And by the end I was like, fucking Holocaust, man. Exactly. Uh, so, Wojciech Frykowski. Frykowski fell asleep on the living room couch. Abigail retired to her guest bedroom to read a book. And then Jay and Sharon. Jay was a hairstylist who was Sharon's ex-boyfriend. Ooh. 
Um, they, I don't think they were having a relationship. Everyone around them was like, no, it was over. They were just really good friends. Okay. Um, he dies defending her, basically. Oh. So they sat and talked in Sharon's bedroom. So Linda Kasabian drove the family members to the house because she was the only one who had a valid driver's license. She had only joined the family a month before by giving Charlie $5,000. Uh, and then he and two other members of the family had basically a three-day orgy that he details very explicitly in Manson in his own words. I feel like the the barrier of entry is different from each people to the yeah. point where... She's just like, I want to join your family, but all I have is $5,000 and a willing vagina. And yeah. he's like, oh, that's exactly what it costs. <laughs> You're just in luck. I needed $5,000. Um, he says, quote, he spent the night deep inside her. Oh, God, Because that's it gross. was her first night. Which also, I'm like, deep, really? You're like five foot two. I feel like what she meant by that was that he like just he like just put his dick inside of her and was like good night and was just, <laughs> was just like, he just gave spider soaking <laughs> spider soak this, <laughs> this is what I call a pee pee sleeping bag no <laughs> you no. mean a peeping bag oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. did I miss it um, I will say though sometimes tiny dudes do have big dicks okay. There you go. And sometimes big dudes are insecure right now. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Linda was brand new and she immediately flipped when talking to the cops after. She of was course. like their first witness. She was like, uh-uh, I just gave them my $5,000 and my willing vagina. I wasn't part of this murder business. But she did drive them. Once there, they parked the car so that they could easily drive it away from the scene. Mm-hmm. Tex climbed up a telephone pole and cut power to the house. Which, by the way, so when everyone's just like, no, 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 I wasn't aware, like, I was manipulated. It's like, you you cut the power to the house. Like, you're premeditated. Yeah. Also, how do you just do that? I know, those poles are high. so dangerous. I know. Um, They then proceeded to walk up to the house where they found a window where they could cut the screen and open. Um, On the way... A fucking pink panther just opened the window. Across on their way across the lawn, they encountered Stephen Parent, an 18-year-old that was there to visit the property's caretaker, who I believe was like an uncle, maybe. Um, he pleaded for mercy. Tex lunged at him with a knife, but then shot him four times. <gasps> yeah, which oddly enough didn't wake up anybody in the neighborhood. <laughs> they lucked out, I guess. Um, Welcome to Los Angeles. There you go. Uh, they proceeded up to the house and found a window to climb into. They entered the house. Tex Watson woke up. Uh, sleeping Frozniak on the couch by whispering to Susan Atkins, basically, who's trying to give Susan directions on where to go. And he didn't realize uh, Frozniak was on the couch. Uh, Frozniak asked them who they were and why they were there. And Tex replied, I am the devil and I am here to do the devil's work. Fucking intense. Yeah. It's a little much. He got really into it, basically. I mean, but he's also out of his mind. Yeah. Yeah, he did. The other thing, too, is when he said, I'm here to do the devil's work, he thought the devil's work was uh, repairing the cable. He thought that he was just supposed to be there. (laughs) Uh, I think the devil's work is making, like, okay, so, like, it's a bacon and cheddar, like, funky potato wedge. (laughs) (laughs) That casserole. (laughs) Like, scallop funky potatoes. (laughs) Hear me out. (laughs) 
No, I'm we're all gonna die. Everyone, delicious. Everyone's gonna lose their mind over these potatoes. We're gonna fry some funky potatoes. And we're gonna cover them with cheese curds, and then we're gonna pour hot gravy over the top. So uh, they spread out through the house to see if there were any other occupants in the house. Uh, as Susan walked past Abigail Folger's room, Abigail actually sat up and just said hi, because. It didn't alarm her that there were other people in the house. I guess she was just so used to people kind of coming in and out and hanging out. Yeah, what I hear from this story is that there is about 30 people that were either in or on their way to be inside of this house. Right. Yeah, so she wasn't initially scared, um, but Susan basically corralled them all into the living room. Um, They told them all to get flat on the ground. Um, which is when Jay basically said, hey, Sharon can't. She's eight months eight months pregnant. Just leave her alone. She's pregnant. And so they shot Jay. Mm. <gasps> he was the first to go. At this point, uh, Frozniak asked what they wanted and what they needed from them, assuming it was just going to be money. They thought they were just there to rob them. Like, you know, take the money and just leave us, leave the baby. We'll get him to the hospital, like whatever. Uh, but Tex replied, you have to die to save my brother. Okay, so yeah, he really just doesn't know what's going on then. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's not culpable. He's definitely culpable, but he doesn't get the gravity of the situation. Not at all. Okay. No, and and to the point where you have to die to save my brother. There's nothing that's going to save Bobby. Bobby's in prison. He's going to be in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Understandably, upon hearing the news that they were going to die... Everyone in the house freaked the fuck out. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. It's a bit of a bummer. Uh, Frozniak escaped and managed to kind of like free him and uh, Abigail. And they tried to run away. They were quickly overtaken. Patty returned from the kitchen with knives and the carnage began. (gasps) Jesus. They caught him and stabbed him to death almost 40 times. Jesus. Abigail next. And then they stabbed Sharon to death as she pleaded and cried for her mother. And all this is from Susan Atkins' account, basically, after. Yeah. I mean, how can you do that, though? I know. Uh, it's it's pretty rough. Then Patty Krenwinkel used Sharon's blood to write Helter Skelter, but spelled it wrong, spelling it Helter Skelter, even though it was spelled right all over the entire ranch. She had one job. Um, Roman Polanski said that not being there during the murders was his biggest regret in life, even knowing that he would have likely died. He's repeatedly said that he would have... That's his biggest regret? That's his biggest regret. The, mm, okay. he, he has repeatedly said that he would have rather died next to Sharon than to live with the loss of her and his unborn child. He credits the deep depression and subsequent relationship with an underage girl to the emotional toll of her murder. I do think that he was deeply fucked up. I don't think it's that not you a, get... It's, yeah, not, it's not a pass. No, not no. at all. Or even a reason or a valid excuse. No, not... No, he is still very guilty. Yeah. I love the pianist, but Roman Polanski is a fuck through and through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, they washed the blood off their hands using a nearby neighbor's hose. The neighbor heard them and chased them off, but didn't investigate why... What a weird, Bloody teens were hosing themselves up. What a weird neighborhood where four gunshots is nothing, but it, I, I think someone's using my goddamn hose. Right. I mean, just run outside. Uh, they drove back to the ranch to inform Charlie that the deed was done. Then they waited it out, and Charlie went on another pussy run. Uh, he arrived back at the ranch a few days later with a new 17-year-old drug-addled obsession to find that the media and the police had not made the connection between the Hinman killing and the Tate killing. Is this... This is 69, right? 69. Is this when they started uh, 
Is this when they started to take serial killers more seriously? They weren't yet. So this okay. this was one of the first where they're like, they didn't realize that the crimes could be connected. Okay. The other thing too, these crimes are in two different neighborhoods. That's fair, yeah. And there really isn't... Precincts didn't talk, so they, they had, hadn't connected the dots at all. Well, really, the only thing that you could use to connect them is the fact that they wrote something on the wall. And it's things that only make sense to them within the Manson family, because to everyone else, it's like, it's a Beatles lyric. Do you think they're a Beatles fan? I don't know. Yeah, it's really inside murder baseball. It's super inside murder baseball. I uh, have a quick question. So why did they choose that house? They thought it was Terry Melcher's house because they were high on drugs and couldn't remember exactly where Terry Melcher lived. Oh. Every, he lived on the same street. Yeah. Every um, every part of this story is just like they took information in and then it got garbled by hallucinogenic drugs, drugs and then the output doesn't... There's no A to B. Right. It's yeah. just like A comes in and then they invented a letter and they were like, Corvax, that's what's next. Yeah. So... He arrived back at the ranch, um, realized that the police hadn't connected the dots, and he decided that it was high time that he got his hands dirty. Kind of like, if you can't, if you want something done right, you got to kill the spiders yourself. Like that kind of mentality. So he decided to drive with the group to try and find another person or family to kill. I think that it's interesting that at this point, he's like, I'm the only one who knows how to murder people, right? But he hasn't murdered anyone. He he doesn't have the stomach for it. He's he never shot, yeah, he he's shot never a guy murdered in the somebody. knee and That's it. thought that he murdered somebody. Right. Yeah. Um they took requests for like who you want to murder, who's done you wrong, basically. And they drove around finally ending up in Los Feliz at the house of Lino LaBianca. So at the time Lino LaBianca was a fairly famous and wealthy grocery store mogul. The Mansons didn't know who he was. They just stopped at a house. I love how he's taking murder requests like the DJ at a wedding. Right. Like, what? Hey, anybody got any... Bruno Mars! Let's murder Bruno Mars! (laughs) I do think it's interesting that a lot of these murders are coincidentally famous people. Mm -hmm. Because in Los Angeles, in the neighborhoods that you're in, you can just throw a stone at a house and it's probably Emma Stone's house. Right, right. Exactly. That was pretty good. Thank you. That was good wordplay. So later that August of 1969, Lino and Rosemary LaBianca's son, Frank, had actually spent a week vacationing with his friend, Jim Safi on Lake Isabella. Early in the week, Lino drove up to the lake to drop off his boat for the boys to use. On Saturday, August 9th, both Lino and Rosemary went to go pick up the boat and Frank, but Frank was having such a good time, they decided he could stay another day and returned to Los Angeles with the Safi family. At around 9 that night, Rosemary, Leno, and Rosemary's daughter, Susan, left Lake Isabella with the boat, started heading back to L.A. They arrived back at their house on Waverly Drive in Los Feliz mm-hmm. at about 1 a.m. on Sunday morning after dropping off Susan and stopping at a newsstand for a paper and a racing form. Um, what's, what's a, a racing, racing form? form? So Leno was a gambler. He spent a lot of time oh, at the racetrack. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so he was heavy in debt, but he was so rich it didn't matter. Um, Rosemary had heard about the Tate murders. She seemed pretty disturbed about it. Um, So she retired to her bedroom, and Leno fell asleep in the living room while reading the sports page. So because their son Frank decided not to come back from the lake, he lived. He's basically the sole survivor. That's interesting, though, that there's somebody, there's the women upstairs, and then a dude asleep on the couch in both situations. In both situations. It's a weird, like... 
universal. That's so and where Yeah, it just worked out. Charles Manson and Tex Watson woke up Leno at gunpoint. Leno was assured by the intruders that he would not be hurt. They were just there to rob him. So Charlie removed a like. Excuse me, cancer. Yeah. I don't want to bother you, but can I steal your stuff? Well, he removed like a leather necklace he had to tie up Leno's hands. And at this point, Leno was just going to cooperate because he's like, I've got money at the store. There's money in the house. Here's where the money is. I'll take you to the store. You could have all my money. I don't care. Just don't hurt us. Because they'd already heard about the Tate murders. It was only a couple neighborhoods away. Do you, huh? Do you, mm, this might be a stupid question, but do you think that they started by saying like, because they're obviously shaken up by the Tate murders. Yeah. Do you think they started by saying like, we did it? Or do you think? No, they didn't tell them anything about it until later. Okay. So, um, they asked Leno if there was anyone else in the house. He told them that his wife was in the bedroom. Benson went to the bedroom and returned with Rosemary, his wife. After collecting all the cash in the house, they brought Rosemary back to her bedroom to kind of separate her from Leno because Leno wasn't fighting back. He was basically just like, take the money. They got Rosemary's wife. Did they get Rosemary's baby? Okay. <laughs> no, that's Polanski. <laughs> ah! Wait, did Polanski do Rosemary's baby? Yeah. Fuck! I didn't know that. I was just because you said Rosemary's wife and I was making a dumb goof em up. That's funny. Oh, that's neat. Dark. Uh, he took Rosemary back to the bedroom because Lena was cooperating and Charlie was having a really hard time bringing himself to try and kill somebody mm-hmm. who was cooperating. So He thought they were going to fight back. He thought they were going to fight back like they had at the Tate murders. Huh. But of course, the LaBiancas are just like, we don't want any murder. Just take our stuff. Stuff is replaceable. We are not, basically. Um, and Charlie was having a real hard time. So... Tex returned to to the living room with a pillowcase and put it over Leno's head and gagged his mouth with a lamp cord. Charlie left, and within a few minutes, Leslie and Patty, so Leslie Van Houten, who is from Monrovia, she's new. She hasn't been to any of the other murders. She's only joined the family maybe two months before. Mm-hmm. And Patty, big Patty Krenwinkle, <laughs> uh, they entered the residence and were instructed by Tex to go to Rosemary's bedroom. Charlie couldn't handle it, and so he left. He didn't murder anybody. He couldn't stomach it. I don't... <clears throat> I'm not... Okay. First and foremost, Charles Manson is culpable for these crimes. Yeah, he Secondly, definitely though, influenced people. Yeah. he didn't actually murder anyone himself, did he? No, not at all. <sighs> that's crazy. The only thing... He cut off Hinman's ear. That's it. That's crazy. And he shot a guy in, in the knee. But, yeah, and he shot a guy in the yeah, knee. Yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So as with the Tate murders, they didn't bring any weapons with them. So they had to collect weapons from around the house. So in the LaBianca house, they found a bayonet. Mm -hmm. So Tex began stabbing Leno with a bayonet. Leno screamed out, stop stabbing me. And the stabbing stopped for a minute, but only a minute. Tex went into the bedroom to help the girls with Rosemary. Lena was still alive when Tex came back into the living room where the stabbing resumed. After Tex finished, either he or Patty, we're not really sure, carved the word war onto Lena's stomach. Jesus. Patty then stabbed him a number of times and left a carving fork protruding from his stomach and a steak knife from his throat. Fuck. It's just fucking crazy. The girls then wrote, Death to Pigs, Rise, and Helter Skelter, although it says that this was misspelled too. So she may have misspelled it twice. Hilter Skelter. 
on the wall and refrigerator in Lino's blood. So on Charlie's request, Tex made sure that all of the girls participated. So Charlie was basically like, make sure the girls did it so it looks like last time. Make sure they all participated. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're all doing this, basically. Even Leslie, who hadn't been at the previous two and was still new to the family and hadn't been present at the other murders or hadn't known Hinman or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She was high out of her mind on LSD. And after Rosemary was potentially already dead, Tex forced Leslie to stab her lifeless body. Once she started stabbing her, Leslie's testified that in her mind, she and the knife became one and she couldn't stop stabbing her. She cited that that night is the biggest regret of her entire life. She was denied parole last year by special order of our governor. She's almost 70 years old now. Was that Jerry Brown? It was Jerry Brown. Okay. She was 19 at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, Even after all of this, the police did not connect the crimes. Wow. They had no idea that they were linked. So, okay. Here's my problem with that. Because I assume that everyone... Did they report on the writing on the wall on the Sharon Tate murder? No, not necessarily. Oh. In some cases they did, but it didn't come out until a couple of days later. Because remember, forensic science and actually investigating a crime scene is mm-hmm. still new. I mean, like, some things they wouldn't have necessarily remarked on in the news. So if you were in a different neighborhood, you might not know. That's wild. So, yeah. So they weren't connecting the crimes oh. yet. Although... They had started to suspect that at least the Tate and LaBianca murders might be linked. Oh, yeah, you think? But not the Hinman murder at all. So it was basically, in their minds, three separate cases. The Hinman murders, I can see how you don't put that together. Yeah, completely different neighborhood. They wrote political piggy, not helter-skelter. And so if you weren't like an insider, then you don't know what that means. Like, I don't know. Um... It wasn't until the family was caught in conjunction with Volkswagen theft for the dune buggies. That's what brought them down? Police raided the ranch. Get the fuck out of here! Suspecting that it was for the murders and the police had finally caught on, Charlie hid in a cupboard, but his hair was exposed after being trapped in the door of the cabinet, so it stuck out a little bit. Like, he was tiny enough to fit in a cupboard, but just his hair was peeking out. So you're saying he's a tiny little man with long, luscious hair? Yes. Andrea, he's just your type. (laughs) And it wasn't even then that they realized that they had caught the murderers. They just had them as car thieves. In fact, they were in jail for a couple days. And it was only because, while in prison for car theft, Susan Adkins admitted to a cellmate that she was involved with the murders. Oh, my God. And the cellmate rolled on her to try and get leniency. And from there, Vincent Bugliosi took over and the three-year trial process began. Linda Kasabian was one of their star witnesses, obviously because she was the getaway driver. In the end, nearly all of them received the death penalty, but their sentences were commuted to life in prison when California abolished the death penalty in 1971. Mm. They're all still alive with the exception of Big Patty and Charles, obviously. Um, Leslie Van Houten, Susan Atkins have both been up for parole multiple times and denied every time. Susan has come out as a quote-unquote born-again Christian and has written books about her time in the family. Um, They're pretty interesting. They're a little biased, but they're pretty interesting. Can she... She can't profit off of them. They have to go to victims' rights. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, 
Tex similarly has converted. He tried an insanity defense. That's actually why the trial went on longer, because he would admit to things, but was like, I'm crazy, which, I mean, funky potatoes. I just think that that's great, because you probably had Tex in the corner just being like, you can't blame me for it. I had spiders in my brain. And Charles Manson's like, oh, come on! Spiders! Um, that was my thing, man! They are all still in prison mm. and will likely remain in prison until they die. Patty... Patty uh, died in prison as well. She, But she died from, like, natural causes, Cancer, right? I believe, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah that's natural. By and large, most of them have been model prisoners. Um, with okay. the exception of Bobby Boussoulet, I think, has gotten into a little prison trouble, and then Tex here and there when he was younger. I cannot believe that Manson didn't, like, have some shit happen to him. Well, you gotta know that... Like, Manson's last stint in prison, when he wasn't being raped, he loved prison. He didn't want to leave. So, in a way, I feel like going back to prison, where he just kind of gets to play guitar all day, and he's a celebrity, and people write him letters. And he doesn't have to worry he about He doesn't have to worry about work or food, yeah. and girls fawn over him. That's Charlie's dream. He was probably very happy all the way to the end of his life. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. Oh, yeah. shit. I mean, on the other hand, the other members of the family, not happy, have been stone cold sober for years being like, we are so sorry. Like, this is terrible. All of them have admitted guilt for the most part. All of them have attempted to make restitution and apologies. They will all still probably die in prison. I think we have a quote. Yeah, right here. It just says, uh, our bad. (laughs) But yeah, that is essentially the end of the Manson family. Unless you want to talk about, I mean... Squeaky, who was not at any of the murders, but did speak up at trial quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so why they called her Squeaky? Because she squeaked so much? I don't know why they actually called her Squeaky. She was the one, I think we kind of well, glossed over she, it at one point. Because she would squeak when you would touch her. Um, Is that real? Oh, I thought I that was a joke that we made. Oh, Museum Death. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so one thing that they did have in New Orleans is they a had Manson a pretty exhibit. extensive Manson it collection. Was, it was horrifying. Yeah. So, like, I saw, like, they, because, so Paige is reading this and just telling us what happened. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the crime scene photos yeah, of Sharon Tate's murder, it's sickening. Like, yeah. it is so horrible and, like... It's deeply disturbing. And even yeah. the photos of Charles Manson, just his face is very unsettling. And, like, all of... Even the women have, like, a look of it's just, It's a very like, vacant look. Yeah. It's very eerie, and it's really creepy. Um, but think, they had some of the photos of the murder scene. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most horrifying things to Andrea, at least at the time, was she realized just how gross patty looked in real life patty was pretty rough well, she thought, she, she, i thought it was a man yeah. wearing a wig she straight she up has, thought it was a man. like i'm joking very strong features um some people are into them man there you go well what we what i kind of glossed over just because this was going to be an extremely long episode but with squeaky when they went to spawn ranch part of their agreement to stay on spawn ranch is that squeaky basically slept in the main house with 80 year old george spawn to kind of help them, like, oh. stay at the ranch. And then whenever Squeaky wasn't there, they would fill in with another girl. Oh, that's bad. That's really gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. And then Squeaky went on to try to assassinate President Gerald Ford. What? Mm-hmm. That's oh, a whole different yeah. story. That's, like, not even Manson-related, but... 
man. yeah, that was also uh, at the Museum of Death. I think I found I think I found this week's Speculation Zone article, which I haven't written any of them. Because <laughs> Is I've been... Squeaky and Gerald Ford? Yeah, I'm gonna do yeah, that. Go for it. Go yeah. for it. Fuck. I it's... do you want to do the other one I sent you? Is way too depressing. Well, uh, okay, real quick. So the funniest thing about Squeaky trying to assassinate Gerald Ford is there were cameras there, like yeah. video cameras, yeah. and she shot. She shoots the gun. It makes a bang, but there was no bullet in the chamber. She didn't know you had to manually put the bullet in the chamber. Oh, no. So she just goes. She looks at a news camera and goes, "It didn't go off." And then she's like, "Ah, oh, it was an accident." I wasn't. I was just messing around, and everyone's like, "You showed so much intent." Like, yeah. yeah. I think the funniest part was that she was trying to sneak up on him, but every step it went. <laughs> yeah. So this has been four episodes in a row of Manson. You guys are fucking welcome. Oh, I want you to. So I, glad to stop reading. I want you to realize that this is what Paige did with her birth month. <laughs> Not yeah, just her pretty birthday, much. it's just pretty been much. the whole, like, yeah, this has been a, we've given you a month Which of Manson. I, by the way, uh, we've recommended a number of books on these episodes. Yeah. I, I didn't really think about it un- until today, as I was reading through some sections today. Um, Manson, in his own words, sexually explicit as hell. Like, do not buy that book unless you are ready to read about all the people Manson went down on. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's if, intense. I don't know if anyone thought that it wouldn't be. I feel like, like, and maybe it's just because I was kind of like glossing over those parts as I was reading for like quotes and just facts and not, you know. But like, he digs deep. Yeah. It's, it's like, he's like, and then she kissed her and then I kissed her and then we kissed And you're just like, oh, God. Oh, oh and no. We, and we tried to do this thing where we all kissed each other, but we just hit our foreheads and it hurt a lot. I was like, why are we trying to do this? For love. Love is everywhere and everything. If you think I should have eaten her pussy, turn to page 374. <laughs> Choose your own sex venture. Oh, God. I don't oh, know why no one's made it yet. We're going to make a million dollars. There's first Manson next, then yeah. choose your own sex venture. I think those are, choose your own sex venture is two of the most obsolete forms of media, which is paying for pornography and books. And yes. we just mashed them together. Amazing. <sighs> Do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, if you want to send me potato chips or poutine made out of funky potatoes. Oh, God, no. Paige, <laughs> no. You can send them to me on Twitter at Paige Wesley at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Uh, if you want to tell me, I don't know where I was going with this. If, you want, if you're Roman Polanski and you finally want to come back to America and serve justice for the crimes that you've committed... You can hit me up to tell me that in person. This is a really politically charged bit. Uh, but Wait, you can what fo- are his crimes? He touched a girl? He had a, a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old gymnast. Ooh. Yeah. And then he Facilitated fled the Facilitated in some ways by her mother. It's a real dark story. It is a really dark story, but the thing is, is that like instead of facing his crimes, he fled to Europe and he has still not been extradited. So he's yeah. just Well, he, he fled to countries that don't extradite. Yeah. Was wow. it in Europe? I might be wrong it's about that. It's in Europe, that. It yeah. is in Europe, yeah. But, yeah, if you're a piece of shit and you want to come forward to me for some reason, I'm your guy. Uh, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Mondo Does Stuff. M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. 
Uh, hey guys, I'm Andre Gazetta, and if you have a van that you'd like to film a dating show in, <laughs> uh, please tell us. Please hit me up at Sundress Comic on all the things, uh, and that's it. If you listen to this show, you fucking email A and E. I don't know what their email <laughs> is, but t- tell them we have ideas. Let us take the wheel, dog. Um, That's how Manson next happened. Just let me take the wheel. I got this piano. You give me the van, and then I'm gonna fill it with girls. And then when they come out, I'll say whether I fuck them or not. Spoiler: I always fuck. <laughs> hey, uh, Mr. Ad, I got a question for you. Um, this bus, this is a nice bus, but you ever think about turning this into a dune bussy? <laughs> Boo! <laughs> I'm just picturing like a VW bus just like bouncing over the dunes. Oh. Uh, uh, Desert's got everything that we want. You could even be allergic to bananas or a huge slug. I actually have something to plug. So uh, starting this month, uh, almost every Saturday that I'm in town, I will be doing guest sets at a new comedy club in LA called The Bunker. It's in, well, it's not in LA. I guess it's in Burbank, technically. Um, Thank you for recognizing the valley. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, But it's it's a new comedy club that a couple friends of ours started, uh, Richard Sarvate and Aaron someone. Did leave that out. Friends of (laughs) ours. (laughs) I'm friends with Richard, uh, and this other guy's really cool. But... uh, it's a new comedy club, and I'll be there. They kind of uh, have a deal with them where I'm going to be doing a guest set every week. So, like, you'll see me for five minutes. But it's also just a really cool club. They have really good comics. And it's a really intimate space where you actually get to, like, have a true live comedic performance experience for, like, ten bucks. It's super awesome. That sounds super so, dope. Oh, and it's BYOB. So you can just bring your own drinks. It's not an expensive night. Oh, I thought it was bring your own buggy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the laugh of someone who hates me. Uh, I'm just, I'm still picturing that VW bus, but with Tupac below it, like California knows how to party. But if you have any questions about Dune buggies, knows how to party. It really does hurt. It In does. The city, city of Burbank. Okay, <laughs> uh, guys. We have amazing news. Uh, You probably heard a little bit of it in the introduction, but I wanted to say it here. Um, We have our first ever sponsor on the show. We probably should have mentioned it at the beginning, right? Okay. That's what I'm saying in the intro. Uh, We have our first sponsor on the show. The show is now partially brought to you by... Open Skies Trading Company. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Open Skies Trading Company is the company that is printing our posters, the Om Shinrikyo posters, which are available for sale at coldpodcastshow.com. They're so cool. They're, they're so really cool. cool. They're fifteen dollars. We're gonna get them screen printed, and they're gonna. If you buy them before December fifth, they will ship out by Christmas. So uh, you can get them there. Um, Open Skies Trading Company is great, though. They have a lot of posters, a lot of t-shirts, a lot of like really cool stuff that you can look at. Um, it's got a really cool like Americana vibe to it. Nice. They have outdoor gear and outdoor apparel. And every, uh, every purchase that you make, they donate $1 to the National Park Foundation, which is a foundation meant to conserving national parks, which is something that we actually need because apparently you can just walk into a national park with a bunch of guns and be a fucking asshole. Fuck the Bundys is what I'm saying. <laughs> Bring it back to them. Also, a lot of our parks just burned down. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 At least, I mean, in California, a lot of our parks just burned So down. they definitely need it. So anything uh, that you purchase from Open Skies Trading Company, they will donate a dollar to help uh, 
help out the National Park Foundation. They also do custom printing, as seen by our posters, which are going to be dope as fuck. Uh, so you can go to openskiestrading.com. Open, S-K-I-E-S, for those that don't know how to spell skies, trading.com. Or find them at Open Skies Trading Co. on Instagram and, I believe, on Facebook as well. Also, it's... Uh, the dude that runs it, I went to college with, and he's just an amazing dude. He's super friendly. He's always yeah. willing to help someone out. So it's like he's just one of those people that's like, oh, my money's going to someone who's a good person. Yeah. Also, Alex told me once he yelled at a dog. Or no, 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 that's not true. Alex told me once that he almost yelled at a dog. So take that into account before you make your purchase. <laughs> that's as mean as he gets, TBA. Yeah, he <laughs> almost yelled at a dog one he time. Said, he told me, he was like, don't be fooled by what Andrea said. I'm a mean guy. I almost yelled at a dog once. He's also an army veteran, so like really support, hitting all the support marks. Support your vets and your national parks. And don't yell at your pets. Support your vets, don't yell at pets. I don't know. My parents have a dog that just like humps the air and anything that walks into the space around it. So I get yelling at that dog sometimes. Weird sex, but okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, openskiestrading.com. That's Open Skies Trading Company. Uh, hey, you out there listening you want to keep in touch with the show learn more about what we're doing see cool little drawings that i've been doing recently we did one for oscar the grouch being a vietnam vet which i'm sure is deeply upsetting to alex also okay i feel like i dreamed this in some sort of cold medicine induced fever dream if you photoshopped oscar the grouch's face onto vietnam art and sent it to us Please do it again, because we can't find it. Yeah, she said it, and it kind of sounded vaguely familiar, but I haven't seen anything. I couldn't find it. I looked through all of our inboxes, and I was like, I wanted to, like, shout that person out, but now I don't know if it existed or if I just dreamed this. Ooh. 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 One but time you... I accidentally dream-ordered a dress on Wish that now fits Andrea. It's so <laughs> great. There you go. It's a beautiful dress. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're both beautiful women. Thank you. Um, and ugly men. You would you would be ugly men. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't pass the other way. I don't think. Actually, if you look at photos of me looking up, I've had people mistake me for men. Someone said, "Quote: Who's that man wearing that dress?" So. <laughs> That's why I love you, baby. Uh, so if you want to send us fan art of Oscar the Grouch, or <laughs> I feel like we have to do a picture of me wearing that dress now, uh, you can follow us on social media at uh, Colt Podcast on Twitter. Or no, at Colt Podcast on Instagram. At Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also go to our website, coltpodcastshow.com, for updates, the latest episodes, uh, and merchandise, or email us at coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us actual stuff, we actually have some new cult artifacts coming that I've talked to people about. I'm very yeah. excited about it. I'm Did fucking, you read those messages? I read a few of them, but also uh, it's just been such a hectic week with trying yeah, to get yeah, back yeah. into the swing of things. And also I miss New Orleans. I miss it so much. <laughs> I want to drink in public again. We uh, we have a couple people sending us cult stuff. And then one of my sorority sisters was gifted an e-meter manual. What? Yeah. So if you want to send us cool shit like that, if you have an e-meter, please send it to us because now we have a manual. Um, hey, hey, you. We know that you're, look, you're in Scientology, but you secretly listen to us because you love our sweet riffs. Send us that e-meter, dog. Whatever you want to send us, you can send it to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K, number 237, like, like The, the Shining. Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. 
And like the Sharon Tate murders. I'm going to say don't don't eat the funky potatoes. Ooh. But don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>